Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Lehman Property Management Company has the apartment you will be able to call home with over 1,700 apartment units available in central Illinois. Visit them today at laymanproperties.com or connect with them on Facebook. Dale Wilshire is my returning guest today, and she is a very motivating executive and career coach, speaker, and author. You're going to leave this conversation empowered and equipped to understand the deeper purpose of your own life and then actually live in a way that is congruent with your deepest values and the desires God has placed within you. Here's our chat. Welcome back to the Savvy Sauce, Dale. Oh, thanks, Laura. It's so great to be with you today. Well, I'm going to make sure that we link to your previous episodes in today's show notes. But for now, will you just update us on who you are and what your life looks like in this current season? Yeah, thank you. My name is Dale Wilshire uh, Rakes. Actually, I um, Dale Wilshire is my maiden name, and that's what I've always used for my business. But I got married a couple of years ago, so that has been big for me. I'm a life and career coach. I'm a speaker and an author. I have to say, getting married a couple of years ago was like a huge thing for me. Jeff is uh, the man of my dreams, and you know, I had been a single mom for seven years prior to getting married. And I had full custody of all four of my daughters who were deeply hurting. You know, it's very rare to get full custody. And it was a very difficult season. There were several suicide attempts with my daughters, lots of interventions. It was challenging. So to come out of that time when we were all carrying such a heavy load. And in 2016, I met Jeff and we knew pretty quickly that this was probably going to be it, but we weren't ready to get married. You know, uh, I have a big crew. And so we bought houses down the street from each other and three, and the realtor was like, oh my gosh, like this is the best day of my life. I just sold two houses. You're kidding. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, Jeff would push his little lawnmower down and he mowed my grass and he would do the same and help me shovel and all the things that I would have to be doing with all the other dads at my last house. So it was delightful. And then when we got married um, a few years later, then we all moved down the street into Jeff's house. So, you know, for the last couple of years, we've been blending our houses and our hearts. And I'm so grateful. I was married for 23 years the first time, and it was difficult, came with a lot of brokenness. And uh, to know that marriage can be like this, even when we fight, he gets so mad because I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> so uh, just enjoying this. And for me, my verse has always been from Job, where it says at the very end that, you know, God blessed the latter half of Job's life more than the first. And and me too. So everyone is doing really well. So my girls are now ages 18 to 25. So the oldest is a chemical engineer in uh, Mobile, Alabama. And my second is 23. She is a nurse who just got her dream job with Children's Hospital um, here in Denver on the oncology floor. All the rest of us live in Boulder. Savannah is the only one who's out of town. And then I have two who are in college uh, right now. One who's a senior is going to graduate with a degree in criminal justice. And then one who's a freshman who's looking to do social work and knowing how much healing has had to happen 
and how, you know, we really prioritized mental health and how that's created a lot of resilience and also a lot of purpose for my daughters, seeing their, their majors and their mission in life really speak to some of the deeper hurts they have. I'm, I'm so, so darn proud of those girls, but I just became an empty nester, which is crazy. Like I've never had this level of freedom and, you know, it feels like forever. Uh, so I'm thoroughly enjoying having time now that they're all in a great place to enjoy my husband, but also my business. So, you know, for the last 15 years, I've been a speaker, but mostly in uh, the faith-based setting and mostly to women. And now I speak mostly in the corporate and business world. I, I talk about meaningful productivity and meaningful engagement, really connecting your work to your why. Because I believe that if I can help them connect to their hearts, um, usually in an environment they're not thinking about their hearts, then that's my my opportunity to help them also get closer to the Lord. So I also speak in the medical world because Burnout is caused by a lack of purpose, and so I help them kind of double down and, and find their unique meaning in the work that they're doing. And as an executive life and career coach, I work with a lot of ambitious Christian women is what I say. It's not always women. It's not always Christians, but people who have big dreams. So I'll, I'll help a lot of women um, build authentic coaching businesses or find their ideal jobs and just live really full abundant lives. There's a lot to that that I like to contribute in form of boundaries and getting rid of limiting beliefs and all that kind of stuff. So I've also launched a couple of digital courses and wrote a book. So my life is very full and I'm really grateful. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is the word that came to my mind as you were sharing is you have such a full life and thank you for being open-handed and authentically sharing a little glimpse of your story. I'm just assuming that there are many listening who maybe have walked through a similar path or they can identify currently with parts of your story. And I know that you're going to be a huge encouragement. So how has your personal career journey impacted the way that you're now helping other people turn their purpose into full potential? Yeah, thank you. I I think it is important to tell our stories and it always comes with a lot of like humility and for me that always feels like embarrassment, but but God has done a lot. You know, it's nice when you're a little further out in your story cuz it's been several years now to see some of what he's doing. I think it's always the most challenging. I always applaud the women who are telling their stories while they're happening. You know, for 17 years I was a stay-at-home mom. Before that, I was a microbiologist and then I was in technical sales, loved the work that I did. But when my children came along, I had always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, came from a long line of them. And so that was a dream for me. And I love growing people. I love helping them find the best of who they are and, and see themselves through a lens of God's eyes and just all kinds of teaching things. I'm a huge fan of that. So, you know, but as, as it went on, and obviously with several of them, that kind of is a longer period of time, but I was married to an alcoholic um, who had some other addictions and mental illness that we weren't really aware of at the time that that knowledge was kind of progressive, which we were like, oh, okay. And I would just try to honor my vows, but also protect my children and still honor a position as father the best I could. So I needed to sacrifice basically my potential, my vocational potential to build theirs. And it was worth it. Wouldn't change a thing, but it definitely made it harder for me when 
all of a sudden one day I found myself separated. I did not see it coming. I, like I said, I'm married 23 years and this happened on my 23rd wedding anniversary. So, and I, I got married when I was 23. So it was very eerie <laughs> what God was doing, but I knew he was in it. We had had a lot of counseling. I had been praying for years, had a lot of people speaking into my life and you know, if you've ever gone through that or know someone who has, you know, sometimes God uses something he hates, divorce, to overcome something he hates more, you know, sinful lifestyles and, and the way people are treated in unloving ways. And so I, I walked through that door and found myself needing to get full-time employment. And that was very different. From, you know, I've been speaking for years at that point, but it was a hobby. Like I always say, you know, I spoke to mops groups and some faith-based groups and, you know, you make potpourri and Starbucks cards like that. You cannot pay your mortgage with that stuff. So it's lovely, you know, but uh, yeah, I needed to ramp it up big time. And so, you know, I met with people and tried to figure things out, but I felt very unprepared for a life outside of motherhood. And I was very confused as to who I was and what I was truly equipped to do. I felt like I'd been trying to be everything to everyone for a very long time, which made it very confusing as to who I was supposed to be, what I actually was good at. Was I good at anything? What did I have to contribute? So for me, starting to define myself and the ways that God had gifted me and what I had to offer, that is what I want to do for others. I want them to have direction because they have definition that we're all a slice of his image. None of us are called to be him. We're in a body for that. We all get to contribute different things. And I believe it's so important that we know what we're here to do so that we can steward that and offer it to the world. Wow. And that was such an unplanned season of transition. And it makes me think of all these other people where work has shifted recently over the past few years. So from your perspective as a professional life and career coach, what are some common transitional times that you've noticed people have been reevaluating their career choice? Great question. As I mentioned, a life crisis, something like divorce or widowhood. I've definitely had clients who have been in, in both of those situations. I do find that right off the bat, it is very difficult to make those kinds of decisions. But once you've had a little bit of time and have moved through it, sometimes you just need to get work. But then to thoughtfully go after what what am I really here to do? What do I really want to be able to contribute? So life crisis, career reentry. So for moms, some dads, but I have worked primarily with moms. Their kids are old enough to be in school. And so now they need to get back and start contributing financially, or could be you've got an empty nest, you know, where I am right now, what is going to fill my time and what is intentional? I see it with people retiring as well. I've worked with a lot of people in medicine with some very meaningful jobs and their personal lives don't seem to have the same amount of meaning. And so it's very difficult for them to feel like they're going to do purposeful work after medicine, but they need to retire from one thing so that they can also prioritize other important things. And then finally, just unhappiness. You know, we're seeing it now with a great resignation. A lot of people have been unhappy in their work. And now they're starting to really take action on that, you know, whether they've been bored or maybe burnout. 
I had a client, her name is Kate. She was in marketing and she was very unhappy with her work. She was a great woman. And I don't think other people at her job knew it, but she knew it. And, you know, she said that she kind of stumbled into her marketing major, was good at it. Someone recommended it. And then she got a couple of good jobs right out of college and, you know, always did well. But she's like, I don't even love this. Like, why am I doing this? And then one of the physicians I worked with, you know, he had a 30 year career in medicine and yet he did all of that as he's reflected back to get the approval of one of his parents. And then you start asking like, what's wrong with me that I don't love what I'm doing? Am I not grateful or whatever it is? And it's not that it's just that your meaning is no longer being able to be delivered through your role. There's a better role for you, but unhappiness, we, we need to listen to that. A lot of times as women, we will say, ah, you know, I'm just being selfish or I'm, it's not spiritual. If I like it, <laughs> you know, as if it's only God's will, if it stinks for us, which is not true. So really paying attention to things that do not feel good and, and reflecting on those, is there something better that you could be doing? And let that speak a little bit. So don't be impulsive. Let that be something that might open up some conversations with God. Wow. And this is such worthwhile work because as I'm listening to you, I'm just reflecting back on the early years of marriage. And this was my husband's story. He was good at what he did, trained as an engineer, worked at IBM, and was getting positive feedback and raises and different things. But it wasn't aligning with the meaningful work that he yeah. desired. And there were a lot of hard times in that season. But he made the career pivot and now works with Chick-fil-A. And we are blessed and benefited by it daily. And it's infiltrated so many areas of our lives. So I just want to encourage people if that is a little question or there's a little fire being lit with desire for this change to pursue it. And I think you're such a great one to lead us on this journey. So whether we're returning to the workforce or someone is a professional considering a pivot into a new industry what are some questions that we can begin to ask ourselves to uncover clues about our ideal career? Yeah, there are many. There are many different ways to go after this. And some of the things that I have people look for, and, and I go through this in the digital course that I've, I've created about finding ideal work so that you can kind of look at it from different perspectives. But one I call just emotional insights. So there's one category of emotion, the powerful emotions that speaks to meaningful work. And some of those examples are when you feel important or you feel proud confident, valuable. There's 13 in total. But if you go back and reflect on times that you felt that way, what was it that you were doing? And not necessarily just the role, because a role is not why you do something. It's not the purpose behind it. It's just the what. There's many ways to deliver your why. But you know what was going on? Were you working with people? Were you teaching them? Were you collaborating? Were you designing or creating? You know, what was going on when you felt that way? I also have people take a look at what their hobbies are, what their abilities or their interests are. I usually give lists because it's sometimes easier just to choose from a bunch of stuff than come out of thin air with these ideas. But those speak to usually things you're good at. 
And so what does that say? You know, one of the things that has been my hobby for years is hot yoga. I love it. It's very athletic. A lot of professional athletes do it. And it speaks to kind of challenging and empowering and strengthening my body, which I chose to strengthen people's souls and their meaning in the work I do, but it's still kind of got a similar why to it. So looking at that also, you know, what podcast do you listen to? You know, what do you read all the time? What are those things that really interest you? Start there. You know, what are those categories? And then what school subjects did you excel in? Go back to that. One of my best courses in college, I couldn't even believe it was a course, was logic. And I was like, I cannot believe this is a subject. This is just intuitive. This is inherent. And people are like, no, actually it's not. And part of logic is seeing patterns underneath what's there. And that speaks to my why, that that's what I do. I help people see deeper meaning in things. And that was speaking even back then that I saw patterns. I just didn't have words for it. So pay attention to those kinds of things. I I had a young client who had been out of high school for a couple of years. His name was Ben. And when he, he really had no idea what he wanted to do. He was kind of caught up in the pandemic where everything canceled and he just really wasn't sure what his thing was. And he always loved history. That was his favorite subject, the one that he excelled in in school. But when we went back through it, it had to do a lot with the teacher because Ben was very relational and needed to be in relational kinds of work. But also it was a lot about investigative thinking, the way that that teacher thought really kind of indicated that Ben liked to think as an investigator. And that's um, one of the personality types that we have in work is the investigative personality type. And so that can speak to some of the major responsibilities or activities in work when you look at kind of what you love and how you you were designed. I love that. And yeah, when I hear you talking about selecting your elective, it makes me reflect back to the time when I had to confirm with someone like, wait a minute, you mean I can get paid to help people with their relationships? That's incredible. And so each of us, it probably does look very different. And I like how you said sometimes you put out a specific list for people to grab onto that. So what is a sample list of values and how can we connect those with our to-do list to see if what we're spending our time doing is what actually matters most to us? That's a great question. And one of the things I am a huge fan of people understanding their values and really articulating what matters most to them. Values are intangibles. Like hiking is not a value. It's an activity. But what it gives you might be adventure or it could be peace or solitude. Those are the values. Same thing with family. I I used to have when my clients would do that, family would be always at the top and faith. And especially with family, I said, that's a group of people. What it gives you is the value. Do, Do they give you connection? Do they give you warmth? Do they give you support? So we're always looking a little bit underneath to understand the values because that's how you align with a truly authentic life. They are the desires that God has put in your heart. So some examples are authenticity, growth, responsibility, courage. I mentioned some of those, support, peace. I have a tool that I will 
We can put in the show notes if you like, which is a life purpose chart that gives values that I see a lot based on personality type. It's not exact, but I usually find about 70% of a person's values align with their personality type. So it's just nice to have a little bit of a list so you can choose and what resonates the most. In this talk that I give on meaningful productivity, I do an exercise where I help people discern if they're just reacting to urgency or if they're truly doing what's important. And those would be values-based activities. And so I have them list their to-do list in a column just on the left-hand side. Just write down the things that are on your to-do list for today. Now, you could also list it for like your goals for the year if you or your goals for the month, whatever it might be. And then on the right-hand side, I have them list out at least three of their values, things that just matter to you. I used to give people a long list of values, but then I found it was like shopping at Nordstrom, like, well, I've never needed a pair of red shoes, but it looks great, so I'll take them anyway. So I try not to give people too many choices. I actually would rather ask questions and listen for the values that are elicited but there are lots of lists online. Then list those out and then draw lines from your to-dos to the values that they honor. And what often happens is that you're like, there's no value that this honors. You know, I had one mom tell me like, I'm doing laundry. There's no value to that. And actually, as we mined down and we talked about how it shows that she's loving her family or caring for people, or, you know, there was some spiritual significance in washing away, you know, yesterday's dirt. And we talked about that, but There are some things that we're doing that are just shoulds. They're other people's values. They're not really things that are authentic or needed at the time. So really being clear on what you're doing, is it attached to something that is deeply meaningful to you? That's an important way to discern how you're doing with your time. Let's take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. With over 1,700 apartment units available throughout Pekin, Peoria, Peoria Heights, Morton, Washington, and Canton, and with every price range covered, you will have plenty of options when you rent through Lehman Property Management Company. They have townhomes, duplexes, studios, and garden-style options located in many areas throughout Pekin. In Peoria, a historic downtown location and apartments adjacent to the OSF Medical Center provide excellent choices. Check out their brand new luxury property in Peoria Heights overlooking the boutique shops and fine dining on Prospect. And in Morton, they offer a variety of apartment homes with garages, a hot downtown location, and now a brand new high-end complex near Idlewood Park. Their beautiful, spacious apartments with private garages in a quiet but convenient location await you in Washington. And if you're looking in Canton, don't miss Village Square Apartments. Renters may be excited to learn about their flexible leases, pet-friendly locations, and even mini storage units available in some locations. Lehman Property Management Company has a knowledgeable and helpful staff, including several employees with over 30 years working with this reputable company. If you want to become a part of their team, contact them about open office positions. They're also hiring in their maintenance department, so we invite you to find out why so many people have chosen to make a career with them. Check them out on Facebook today or email their friendly staff at leasing at laymanprops.com. You can also stop by their website at laymanproperties.com. That's L-E-M-A-N 
www.dalesproperties.com. Check them out and find your place to call home today. Dale, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Holocaust survivor and psychiatrist who was named Viktor Frankl, but he once said that life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. And I hear you focusing a lot on helping people with meaning and purpose. So with all of that in mind, how do you help people uncover their purpose in life? Yeah, I love Viktor Frankl. In fact, I got COVID when COVID hit in like March, whatever, 20. Um, My husband and I were down for two weeks solid. He worked at a medical clinic, got it from a provider. So we were pretty sick. We didn't go to the hospital. But during that time, I don't know why, I chose to read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And it was fascinating. But it honestly, it was his story of living through a concentration camp and how difficult that was and how he felt like, besides the sovereignty of of getting through that, that the reason he was able to survive is he was able to find meaning in those dire circumstances. So I believe meaning is crucial. And a lot of it comes from the way we think about things. Then they've actually found that meaning comes from four things. It comes from people, in our relationships, it comes from purpose, which I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second. It comes from positivity of really redeeming, which is what Viktor Frankl did, finding meaning in suffering and seeing the the positive spin, the good in that, you know, Romans 8, 28, and then participation. That's something bigger than you. For those of us with faith, it's, it's the transcendence and the awe that we have toward God. So all of that. So when I go back through, I work on all those things with people, but purpose specifically, I help them by, I usually go through a process that's threefold. First, I really want them to understand their personality type. There are specific strengths and motivators and values that are usually aligned with each of those types. And I want them to understand who they truly are, not who they think they should be. That leads to personality mass, but who they really are. And then again, to define those values, that's kind of how you deliver your why is through those values. As I mentioned, minor authenticity and growth and courage is a huge one, which has gotten me through some really difficult times back before I went through kind of this, this epiphany when I was single and really not liking who I was. I, I was not liked by the people around me and I, I could only see my weaknesses And I remember kind of thinking that I was going to have to be way different for God to really, for me to be more like Jesus. And, and it was in this moment that, um, I was out shoveling the driveway with all the other dads that I was so grateful that I was gritty enough to do that and courageous and strong. And, and I, I realized that my personality type that God had given me and all the values that went with that, that was a blessing not a curse that he had equipped me for the journey that I would be on. And I, I have to say, I don't know if we all would have survived literally had he not given me this personality. So that is very purposeful. You have to see through a lens of positivity. Then finally, when I do the ultimate kind of like why statement or purpose statement, I have a variety of methods. One is um, many of y'all might know this. It's the five levels deep. Some people will call it seven levels deep, but you kind of define what you love. Like if you, if you love being a mom or you love doing a certain job, what do you love about it? And then you ask five times, why do you love that? And whatever the answer is, and why do you love that? 
And then why is that important? Why do you love that? And you basically get down to the bottom, which is the reason that you do what you do. And when I did that activity for me, it's because I want everyone to steward every strength they've ever been given. I want them to live up to their highest potential. I want every opportunity that God has given more than we can ask or imagine to be realized by all of his people. So Five levels deep is one great way. Another great way, which is super fun, is to determine or kind of figure out what your favorite movie was as a child. I do this when I have a deeper time with clients because what story sticks to your heart, because you watched a million stories or a million, you read a million books. You know, we've all seen a lot of things. There are actually 9 million minutes in our first 18 years. But the things that stuck, whether that's our memories or the movies, and especially who your character is, that speaks to something that is deeply purposeful to you. My movie was when I was 13, it was 1979. It's called Heaven Can Wait. And it was like right same year that Grease came out. But it was a it was a big movie back then. It was all about this football player that died. They accidentally pulled him out of his body. He really didn't die. So now they have to put him back into his body. And he they don't have the right body, so they have to go put him in some other ones. And so the people that I loved in that movie were able to see beyond the outside, beyond the body, to who he was underneath. They saw him for who he was. And that spoke to what I do. I see deeper meaning in people. So when I had one client whose movie was Top Gun, and I kept thinking all about Maverick, she goes, no, no, Maverick's not my my person. Goose is. And her why had a lot to do with that she was this incredible support person that aligned with these really powerful people, very much like Goose did for Maverick. And she helps them see what is really meaningful in life, because sometimes ambition can blind us. So it's a fascinating thing. I have one of my clients, her movie was uh, Rudolph the Red News Reindeer. And uh, she remembers crying when she was like six years old because he couldn't play in any reindeer games. And as we went through her why, her why is to see old things in a new way. She's actually an interior designer for historic properties, but she does that so that people and properties can shine very much like Rudolph's nose. So think about it. What was your movie? And what was it saying? Who was your character? What were they all about? That has significant meaning. And then the other part is kind of like, what's the world you want to live in? Um, what's wrong with the world sometimes is the way we go after it. For me, it's a world where people don't tap their potential because they don't know they have it or they didn't know it was available to them, whatever that might be. That I want the opposite. That's a part of your why. So lots, lots of stuff there, but lots of good stuff. That is good stuff, Dale. And it really sounds so worshipful when you present it because I think you've said basically when we discover more about ourselves or the way that God created us, it does lead us to worship and stand in wonder of our creator. And so again, this is just such worthy work. What are some examples of our values and purpose then lining up with an ideal career? 
Yeah. That's kind of where we take these ethereal concepts and it's got to be practical. That's part of what I don't like just sitting in great ideas. I really want it to like land and, and make it happen. So one client who is a family practice doctor, her values were connection and encouragement and comfort. And you could see how medicine was a good fit. Those wouldn't automatically say, oh, you should be in medicine, but it was a great fit. And her why is to speak truth and bring light into darkness. So she has the freedom to do that because she doesn't work in a hospital. She also, she works in a clinic where she has more freedom and she's able to speak into the whole person versus being a specialist. But she said that when people are hurting, they are more open to light. And that is an ideal environment for her to deliver her values and her why. Another client, four children, needed to go back to work and was getting her degree as a paralegal. And her values were order and holiness, which really, you know, for a lot of that, it's like truth, that there is a truth. And the law is very much about the truth. Compassion, support, these were all things that absolutely fit being a part of the legal system as a paralegal. And there's no telling where she will go with that. Um, I've seen it. I, I mentioned um, the client who did marketing. That was a bad fit for her in the position she was in, in that realm, because she really valued freedom and she valued communication and she valued health. And she wasn't able to do much with those values in her job. So what we have been able to discern is that some type of teaching or training, probably in health and nutrition, and now that it's looking at which of the ways that she could make that happen through a podcast, through joining an e-learning platform as one of their trainers, lots of different ways to make that happen. Another client was going back into the workforce after a divorce and she was the social butterfly personality. So her values were connection and fun and freedom, kind of similar to Kate's. And so she kept thinking that she needed to go work in a bank and be a bank teller. And part of that was because her spouse, her ex-spouse was a more of the improver personality type that does value accuracy and doing things right. And, and so she kept thinking she had to be like him and do work like that. That's who she was. And actually she found that that was a horrible fit and she was miserable. She found a lot of joy and a lot of opportunities for promotion in retail. She actually ended up working with a container store and right away negotiating for, you know, design work and higher salary. And really it was a beautiful, beautiful combination of who she was and her passions coming to fruition. Oh, that's really helpful to grab onto both those matches and the mismatches. Have you checked out our library of articles available at thesavvysauce.com? New posts are added multiple times a month related to parenting, intimacy and marriage, personal development, habits, and other topics connected to what we discuss here on The Savvy Sauce. If you sign up to join our email list, you're also going to enjoy little extras delivered straight to your inbox. Our hope is to encourage you to have your own practical chats for intentional living. So these freebies will include things like questions that you can ask on your next date night, safe resources to read to promote enjoyment in your intimacy and marriage, or questions to ask your kids to connect at a more relational level. We hope you check out all the available reads at thesavvysauce.com under the Articles tab. 
your previous episodes on the Savvy Sauce focused more around personality, which we're kind of alluding to, and that's another area of your expertise. So how does our personality impact the type of career that suits each of us best? Yeah, it's an important part. You cannot neglect how you were designed when you were looking for how you were going to deliver your contribution. So, you know, your personality is meant to give direction and to provide just an indication of where you can be more productive, where you can be more satisfied, where you'll be more creative. So I talk about personality in a four-type system. That's what um, the book, What's Your Mom Type, was built on. It goes way back to Hippocrates. But there, in those four types, there are specific environments that they thrive in and specific types of jobs. So Ben, who I mentioned earlier, he's a stabilizer. And stabilizers are more service-oriented, kind of behind the scenes. They're actually the biggest portion of the population. They do best working on teams. I see them a lot in the nonprofit sector. I see them a lot prioritizing relationships, being very caring and nurturing, like in therapy or in some kind of counseling area. I see it in a lot of educational systems. I see it with support specialists. I see it in medicine. They do like established methods. So They're great when they're in customer service or maybe even in banking, something that's already established. They don't do well starting their own businesses. They do well joining one, but that's not their ideal thing. Same thing with, say, the opposite, who's the doer. Now, they are a smaller portion of the population, and they need to do work where they're rewarded for their results. So they need something where what they do matters. And it contributes to a bottom line, something where they can be independent, overcome a lot of challenges, be fast. Uh, My daughter, Caroline, this is her major type. And I remember when she worked at Chick-fil-A as like, you know, a 16 year old and they tried her out in different positions and she killed it on um, a drive through because she was so fast (laughs) and that's where it mattered. You know, there are other places that you don't want somebody being that fast because then people feel run over. But when you are waiting for that fabulous chicken sandwich, you would like it to come out quickly. So, and there's many books written on this. You know, I use Myers-Briggs. I use something called the Holland Code, which is really a job personality. I mentioned that the investigative is one of them. Some people are social. You need to be working with people or for people. So just investigating all these different areas of who you are, it can really start to create some themes that you'll notice, and then you can start to uh, make some decisions based on that. And just to go a little bit further with those four personality types, we kind of covered two of them that were opposite. Could you also elaborate a little bit more on the other two that are opposite of one another? Yeah, you bet. So the improver, which is the more analytical, detail-oriented we could say precisionist. Uh, a lot of us in our negative will say perfectionist. You do well in environments that are more academic or even financial in a way that accuracy matters. You get rewarded for quality. And also, I've seen this a lot with physicians and lawyers and other types of jobs that have a lot of schooling because it takes a lot of patience in that academic realm to allow someone to really thrive there. So I see them at higher levels of education, not necessarily at the younger levels, but maybe more academic, you know, college level settings. I see this in writers and editors. I see it in architecture, but something where critical thinking 
it matters. So if your job was to just be in front of people, and certainly you can speak, but you're going to speak in a more formalized way. So you think about, is that the way to do it? Usually something that allows you to do quality work. When my daughter, who's now at children's, so pediatrics was perfect for her as the opposite of this type, but she was considering which specialty and like surgery for her was not ideal because that was very precise. The patients were asleep. So, you know, and she likes interacting with patients. So she's like, well, I would barely get to do that. And it was quiet. And again, it was all about getting it just right. She's like, I don't love that. I said, I agree. But if you're an improver and a nurse, that might be ideal. So then the opposite is that social butterfly one. I call them the connector because that's what they're here to do is connect with people. So anything with high people contact is a must. They need to be able to interact with others because they're inspiring and influential and very optimistic. So they need places where they're not just to tell us what could go wrong. They're the ones who get to bring the hope and the joy. So environments where there's a lot of variety, they usually have a very high number of dopamine receptors. So variety feeds those. They love things that are fresh and new all the time. The ability to express themselves, to communicate, those are all the kinds of environments. I see that a lot in sales and marketing because they're very influential and persuasive. I see it in human relations or human resources, interior design. It's very creative. But again, you could be in improver and be an interior design. I believe Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper is more of an improver because she's a little bit more deep and thoughtful. And so her design and creativity comes out of that. So it's really just understanding what your great gifts are and what is probably common to that. And also what your weaknesses are. Usually the opposite type will fill in your gaps. So when I was in graduate school, which was a highly academic environment, I was getting my PhD in molecular biology. Uh, that is an improver environment. And I'm not an improver. My parents were, and I was always trying to get their approval, but I kept thinking like, what is wrong with me that I am just not excelling here? What is going on? And while I liked all the science, I didn't like just thinking of the theory. I kept wanting to make it practical, which, you know, when I finally, I felt like that's one of the first moments I heard God speak to me, like, I need you to leave. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> All those people who got me into graduate school. And, and so I did, I took a leave of absence and I got a job with a pharmaceutical company, which was much more practical where I could do the science, but that, that kind of shame, what's wrong with me? It may be that you're in the wrong environment for your personality. So always know what you're really, really strengthened to do. Wow, that's so good. I actually have thought of that question multiple times this week. Even in parenting, there are certain parts that I'll think, <laughs> what is wrong with me? Why do I need so many outlets of adult interaction time? What is wrong with me? And I was realizing that's a little bit of a shaming question to myself, but I relate to that connector personality. It's helpful to connect that, that that is how God wired me and then takes discernment to figure out how to fulfill my roles well and steward this well and yet be wise in the way that I'm filled up so I can pour out. For sure. And aren't you in the perfect role as a podcaster, <laughs> <laughs> communicating and inspiring and influencing people with your great gifts? And by the way, since we're usually married to our opposites, usually we share values, but we have opposite personality types. 
the stuff that bugs us is usually not the stuff that bugs them. So that's where we can start to think, what's wrong with me? Like, this doesn't bother my husband or this doesn't bother my wife. It's like, it probably won't. But really understanding that, you know, usually the stuff that bothers us keeps us from delivering what is important to us. So if you can't connect with others, that would be deeply hard. You know, that's that's not what you were designed to do. So I love that you're in this role. You're great at it. Thank you, Dale. You're always such an encouragement. And you know that we love practical application here. So what are a few homework assignments that you recommend and how can they help? Yeah, I think if you're considering what is meaningful and what is your purpose and how might you be intentional with your time, the first thing you need to do is block some time. I'm a big fan of some time management tools that prioritize these things that will get eaten up by the urgent. So a time blocking tool is just basically a grid with all the hours in the day and across the top is each day of the week where you literally say from 10 to 11 or from one to four, you know, because maybe you have a break or maybe whatever it might be, or even within your own job, you're able to kind of move some stuff out of the way. What time do you want to give that you can prioritize this kind of work? Because no one's usually sitting around waiting for you to figure it out. Not like they are waiting for dinner or waiting for their lunch to get made or whatever it is. So prioritize that. Use some time blocking. Again, if you want to Google time blocking tools, there's usually some great stuff out there. I like thinking big. That's when it's time to sit down and do some vision casting. A cool exercise is to write your eulogy. Um, what would you want people to be able to say about you, especially those meaningful relationships? What do you want to do before you quote unquote retire? You know, when you feel like at that point, you're not going to be given it all to whatever your area of service is. What do you want? Who do you want to help? How do you want to help? I want to help is not a purpose statement, but how you want to deliver that, you know, ask some big questions, do that five why exercise that I, I talked about, where you just constantly ask, why do I like this? And why is that important? And why do I like that? Just keep going down five or seven layers. It's fun to do it with someone else because you'll reveal more in a conversation than you would just writing things down. So find a great friend to do that with. The other thing I think that's so important when you're considering this is to really notice who you're connected to. And I have people write out this list of your current 100 where you make a list of maybe it's your Christmas card list, but it's also your neighbor's and their spouses, and what jobs they have, or who they work for. You are connected to more people than you realize. And you are connected to some people who are probably doing some things that you might be interested in doing one day. And those connections, they call it the strength of weak ties. It's usually not your close knit group. It's the layer or two out. They are the ones that are more likely to help you get a position than anyone else. So make a list of who you're connected to. Wow, you're amazing at vision casting and giving us this big picture view. And now what is one small step we can take in order to make progress and not lose the momentum that results from an inspiring conversation like this one? Yeah, that is so important, Laura. I'm really glad that, you know, there you are landing the plane because we can talk about good stuff, but we won't ever achieve it. We won't tap that potential unless we do something. I think choosing one thing, you know, is it that you want to know your why? 
Is it that you feel like you need to define your personality? You know, lots of people like lots of different tools. Whatever your tool is, make sure it's speaking to make a list. What are your greatest strengths and and who could benefit from those? You know, pick something that you really want to know, because I think the small step that will also keep this going is then get an accountability partner, get a coach, get a a good friend who's also thinking about the same thing. Tap into a study group, your Bible study group, find some people who maybe want to read a book about purpose or personality and talk about what that speaks to and find people who can keep you in the game and also teach you about yourself. They can share some things that they love and respect and admire about you that you're probably not seeing in yourself. Well, and Dale, you would be a fantastic coach for someone. I love that you're somebody who now they're getting to know and maybe they can look into your website and find next steps there. So where can we find out more about you online? Yeah, thank you. My website is yourauthenticpersonality.com. You can also find me by dalewilshire.com. That will send you right to the Your Authentic Personality. And there are pages, you know, for my speaking, but for my coaching. And one thing that might really be particularly helpful is the Career Kickstart digital program that I have. We're going to launch it again, I believe February 7th. Um, We'll launch it three times in 2022 registration begins January 25th and ends on February 2nd. The course begins on February 7th and it will go through March 25th. So if you go to the page for career kickstart, it's a 30 day program, meaning you're going to get 30 days worth of content, uh, videos and worksheets. And you also have opportunities to be in an accountability group and also have a couple of one-on-one sessions with me. If that's something that you're interested in, there's several levels, but that really is for all the different populations that we talked about, whether you're retiring, whether you're gearing up for a whole new career or your first career, or you're just wanting to see what else is out there. That is a great tool to do it. You can go at your own pace, but you can also get involved in a community that's doing the same thing. So your authentic personality, look around. There's lots of resources for moms. Certainly the book is a great resource. There's a course on the book and certainly reach out. There's lots of places that you can contact me. If you have questions, I'd love to be able to talk to you. Of course, I do individual coaching. If you're looking for something more customized or something that needs to be a little faster and you want some additional help, I'd love to be able to help you with that. Wonderful. We will link to all of that in the show notes of today's episode. And you may remember that we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or insight. And so as my final question for you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I think... Uh, without having a good phrase right off the bat, I think self-help, which a lot of times in Christian circles is frowned upon, I believe in self-help and the way that we have to understand ourselves, but self-help is supposed to lead to others' help. That the reason that we know ourselves is so we can really contribute the best of ourselves to others. If you have something awesome in the bottom of your purse and you don't know it's there, it's never going to serve anyone. So you need to be brave enough and humble enough to know who you are so that if it's time to take all of your strengths that are being used in a private sphere and move it into the public sphere, you will have the confidence to act because confidence is built on action. 
rumination with all the overthinking keeps us from acting, but you cannot act and ruminate at the same time. So take some action, get out there and learn and grow and, and tap your very full potential. Always a great savvy sauce. And it really reminds me, I just want to share one piece of scripture that I was camping out on this morning. And I think it relates to this talk and this charge that you've given to each of us. So it's from 1 Timothy 4.16 in the Amplified Version, and I'll just read it here. It says, pay close attention to yourself, concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching, persevere in these things, hold to them, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. So, Dale, I want to encourage you. Thank you for taking that verse seriously and applying it and encouraging and motivating all of us to do the same. I always look so forward to our time together because your energy and positivity is contagious, and I always learn so many new concepts. So thank you for equipping each of us today, and I just want to say thank you for being my guest. Oh, thank you, Laura. And thank you for that verse. I thought I had kind of tapped into every verse that was on this topic. And honestly, I I had never put that one together. And it was powerful. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us where this all comes from. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community 
that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.